Amen. All right, let's take our Bibles this morning, turn to the book of Leviticus in chapter number 10. Um, go to the front of your Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. So the third book there, Leviticus chapter number 10. I do want to say thank you for the wonderful week. And um, I have enjoyed myself. Thank God for you paying attention and giving great liberty in the services to be able to share God's word. Thank you for responding um, to the messages. And um, don't let the altar ever become a place that is foreign to you. Um, but always be a person that when the Word of God is preached to your heart, that you keep your heart tender um, unto the Lord. And part of that tenderness is being willing to get on your knees and say, Lord, I need your help. To come before in the, after preaching is being preached to your heart, that you respond. And that response is humbling ourselves before God. And you'll always need that. And I appreciate that um, so very much. I appreciate the kind words, the kind things that have been done. And um, I appreciate the goodness of the Lord. I had someone come up to me on Wednesday night and say, we've been watching you online. And I don't get online that often. And um, I told them that I have a face for radio. And, um, but I appreciate that, um, their kindness and all that um, in, in doing that. If you don't get that, you don't see somebody on radio. I don't guess none of y'all have a radio anymore. It's, it's audio. I'm good with audio sometimes, but I don't have a face for, all, um, for um, the, the shows and the live streams and all that. But I appreciate, I appreciate you being here. And then I know the front side is bad, um, but we were yesterday up at um, the... Uh, sight and sound theater watching Moses and the parting of the Red Sea. And um, your pastor was there but sitting behind me and he took a picture and showed it to me later and saw another parting. And it was the back of my head as the parting was there and dry ground appeared in the middle of the top of my head. And so uh, that is the uh, wonderful encouragement that I have. So I have been made very much aware of the big head and the balding parts and getting old this um, week. And I appreciate the goodness of the Lord anyway. Amen. And um, I told them earlier this week, I said, you know you're getting old when you watch a sports event and it's a professional sports, whether it be um, professional baseball or football or whatever. And the people that are playing on there are younger than you are. There was a time when I watched sports and they were always older. Now they're younger than I am playing sports. Dad, you know you're getting old. And I know young people are like, what are you talking about? One day you'll look back and say, how did I get here? And um, so I appreciate the goodness of the Lord and all the goodness of God and the hospitality, the fine meals and the good place to stay. And so many more things could be said. And I'm glad God keeps a record in everything that you do for the Lord. There'll be a great day that our thank yous mean so little, but there's a day when God's going to say, well done. And um, he's going to reward those that serve the Lord. And I thank God for that. Leviticus chapter number 10, if you will, please stand for the reading of God's word. The Bible says in verse number one, And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer, and put fire therein, and put incense thereon, and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord, and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. And Moses said unto Aaron, This is it that the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me, and before all the people I will be glorified. 
And Aaron held his peace. Lord, we thank you, dear God, for your word. We thank you, dear God, for the strength that you give us day by day. But Lord, we need that help that comes from above, dear Lord, that you would empower us to say that which would please the Lord, which would exalt the Lord. And dear God, that would help these young people that are here today. Lord, I thank you, dear God, for each one of them. And dear Lord, we thank you, dear God, for each teacher and each person that is a part of the administration and the work that is done here. Thank you, dear God, for their faithfulness to make these things possible. And I pray, dear God, that you would do the eternal work. Our work is small and insignificant in and of itself. But with the hand of God, dear Lord, great things are done. And so we're thankful for that. And we ask you, dear God, that your touch would be upon our lives. And for what you do, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to preach on this thought today, playing with fire, playing with fire. You know, if you've been around fire at all, fire is something that you have to be very careful with. Fire in our day is not used as much um, then as um, in our everyday lives as it was in days gone by. If you go into your house, you've got this thing called electricity. And because you have electricity, your food is cooked on a stove. There are things in your house that your house is heated a lot of times by what they call a heat and air system. And it uses electricity or sometimes it may use some type of fire and you don't even realize that it is there. But in days gone by, fire was something that everybody was well acquainted with. Fire was something that every day of your life there was going to be somebody that was building a fire. And um, they, their mama was going to make sure fire was going to make sure your food was cooked. Daddy was going to make sure the wood was in place and the fire was going to make sure the family was warm in the time of um, coldness. And these things were used. It was a strength of power. As a matter of fact, when you consider it, when you got to the um, church today and um, before all these EV things and all that other kind of stuff, um, the truth is, is there's little rapid firing that is going on in those vehicles that get you here. And all around us, it is there, but it's a whole lot more concealed, maybe be in your mind than what it's used to. So you maybe see it at a campfire every once in a while. Maybe you got a fire pit behind your house that y'all burn a few things. And so you know what fire is, but it is more a part of our lives than a lot of times we realize because it is in such a controlled way. But what do we know about fire? If you ever get around it, mom and daddy says, be careful with that. If you ever get around that stove that is in your house, you say, be careful, don't touch that. You can burn yourself. You can get yourself hurt. And so the very thing that is so beneficial to you, that is so great in your life, also can be one of the greatest destructive measures in your life. Where I come from, there's crazy things that go on. Um, the, they're a little bit older now, but the youth group years ago, um, uh, where I pastored, they were out and there was this fire that was there and one of the young ladies dared one of those young men, I bet you can't let one of those embers flying up there. I bet you can't catch it in your nose. Well, he tried and he succeeded. And all of a sudden his nose started bleeding everywhere and all that kind of stuff because he had a hot ember. Where I come from, um, they go clean out a shed. They don't pay attention to what's inside of it and they just throw it in the fire. And what they'll do is they'll start throwing stuff in the fire. Before you know it, they done thrown a big old box of shells and all of a sudden bullets are going everywhere coming out of the fire. They're crazy. 
But anyway, when I could, there's stories I could go on and on and on. I've got a, he's my age now, but I'm telling you what, there's just something that if you talk about having a fire, his eyes light up. Nothing else gets him excited, but you talk about a fire, he's going to get excited and he's going to put a fire together that can burn things down, can melt your house. It can do all kinds of things. They like to have fires. But I know you have to be careful around here. If you start a fire around here, you'll burn down a whole city block as close as the houses are here. But where I'm at, you have to be a little bit, you don't have to be that careful about the houses. You may burn a field up or a barn up, but you're not going to have a house that close to you. But anyway, I say all that to say this, when there are fires that are going to be in your life and you're going to have to be very careful about them. Here's two men. And the truth is they were given the wonderful privilege to have the deal and to handle the fire of God in their life. And the truth is, is they did not handle it right. Let's look at the privilege first that they had. If you were to look in Exodus, you can turn there if you'd like. In Exodus chapter number 24, we'll read several verses here. And we see the wonderful privilege that Nadab and Abihu had in their life. They had a privilege that not every young person had. They had a privilege that not every person of the children of Israel, as a matter of fact, older people that was in the a part of the children of Israel did not have the privilege that Nadab and Abihu had. These were privileged young men. The Bible says in Exodus 24, verse number one, and he said unto Moses, this is God speaking, come up unto the Lord. So God's inviting Moses saying, come up to where I'm at. I want to talk with you. And he says this, thou, you Moses, and Aaron, your brother, Nadab, and Abihu. He gives them specific names and 70 of the elders of Israel and worship ye afar off. There's an invitation saying, hey, come on up here. You've got a special privilege. Nadab and Abihu, they're going up with Aaron. They're going up with Moses. They're going up with 70 elders of the children of Israel and they have the wonderful privilege to get close to God. The Bible says that Moses alone shall come near the Lord, but they shall not come nigh, neither shall the people go up with him. And Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments. And all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words which the Lord hath said will we do. What happens is they're here and Nadab and Abihu are in a position with Moses and they're seeing what God is doing amongst the congregation. They have a front seat, if you will, of what's going on. Moses wrote all the words of the Lord and rose up early in the morning and built an altar under the hill and 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the children of Israel which offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen unto the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins and half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. And he took the book of the covenant and read in the audience of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has said will we do and be obedient. Obedient. Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold the blood of the covenant which the Lord hath made with you concerning all these words. Then went up Moses and Aaron, and there it is, Nadab and Abihu and 70 of the elders of Israel. And they saw the God of Israel. And there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone and as it were the body of heaven in his clearness and upon the nobles of the children of Israel he laid not his hand also they saw God and did eat and drink 
And the Lord said unto Moses, Come up to me in the mount and be there, and I will give thee tables of stone and a law and commandments which I have written that thou mayest teach them. My friend, look at the privilege they have. They had got the opportunity to be there just one step away from where God was meeting with no Moses. They were not ignorant of God's moving. They were not ignorant of God's power. They were not ignorant of what God was doing. But they had the front row seat, all the delight, all the privilege to be around the things of God. And young people, you're here today, and there's a privilege that you have that not every young person has. There ought to be a delight. Hey, listen, my friend, it's still a delight to be able to sing the praises of God. It's still a delight for God to work and move and to show himself amongst his people. There's a delight and a wonder in being a part of the things of God. And young people, many of you have no doubt enjoyed that delight of just being able to be in the presence of God. And how wonderful of all things in the world, there's nothing like that. You see, they were given a duty. If you turn over to Exodus 28, verse number one, the Bible says this, and take thou unto thee Aaron thy brother and his sons with him from among the children of Israel, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office, even Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, Eliezer, and Ithamar, Aaron's sons, and thou shalt make holy garments for Aaron thy brother, for glory and for beauty. And thou shalt speak unto all that are wise-hearted, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. And these are the garments which they shall make, a breastplate and an ephod and a robe and a broided coat, a mitre and a gold girdle. And they shall make holy garments for Aaron thy brother and his sons." that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. And they shall take gold and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen. What happens? These boys have a duty to be able to serve in the tabernacle. They have the, uh, the duty to um, serve the whole congregation. Because of that, they've got special garments on. They've got special clothes on. They don't dress like anybody else. They don't act like everybody else. They don't work like everybody else. They've got a special privilege to be able to serve the Lord. Thank God for those of you that get to serve the Lord. Not everybody gets to do what you get to do. Amen. Not everybody gets to go knock on the door and tell someone about the Lord. Amen. Not everybody gets the opportunity. You say, oh, that's a drudge. No, it's a privilege. It's an honor to be able to serve the Lord. And it doesn't matter how small or how great. Thank God I'm a part of the crowd that says, hey, I can do something for the Lord. And what happens? God says, hey, you can serve me. Yeah, you're going to look different. Yes, you're going to act different. But you're in a special place where you have a delight, but you also have a duty to serve the Lord. That responsibility is put on you. These men we don't know how old they were, but they were young enough that they had not had, they did not have any children. And so we know that they were no doubt in the early years of their life. And so these men, these young men had a wonderful privilege, a wonderful responsibility. And boy, when you look at it, they were the finest that, that ever was. And when you step back and you look at the entirety of scripture, would have had a great name in the Bible if they'd have just handled fire right. But you find their deed. In verse number one of our text in Leviticus 10. And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them a censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord. We don't know the significance of this strange fire 
But we know it is what God did not command of them to do. It was out of order. It was out of place. Hey, can I tell you, God's got an order. He's got an order for how his church is supposed to be ran. He's got a practice of how his church is supposed to be ran. And can I say, God wants you to be able to work in his church. He wants you to be able to enjoy his church. He wants you to be able to serve in his church. But I'll tell you what will happen. God will give you the opportunity and will continue to give opportunities in your life for you to do this and to do this and more and more and thank God for it. But I'll tell you something. When you take the responsibility and all of a sudden start trying to change what is sacred to God, what is special to God, what is important to God, if you're one of his children and if you're in a real place, in a place where God is moving, my friend, you will not get by with it, but he will destroy you. Listen, there's enough churches down the road that are serving other Jesuses. There's enough churches down the road that are serving other gods. Yeah, they may call him Jesus, but it's not the Jesus of the Bible that they're explaining. But my friend, wherever God's people truly are, he doesn't let them go and serve God any way they want to. They can't offer any fire that they want to offer. They can't bring it and produce it any way they want to do it. No, he's got an order. He's got a plan. He's got a program. Program, and I could give you story after story of people that were strong Christians that had a wonderful responsibility. They were enjoying the goodness of God in their life. But can I tell you, and even grown men that they went and they took the fire of God lightly. They started changing what God had ordained. And today they're in the grave. They're in the grave. I listen, I'm not talking, you say, well, people get by with it all the time. They may not know Jesus. I'm talking about people that knew Jesus. I'm talking about people that knew the right way. I'm talking about people that knew the good way. And what happened? They were not careful with what God had given unto them. I thank God for fire. I want fire in my life, but I want to handle it carefully. I want to handle it so carefully in my life. It's so sad as you continue to read these verses in verse number two, and there went out a fire from the Lord. Can I say his fire is bigger than your fire? And his fire is so big, it'll destroy the wrong fire that you've got. And he, there went out, from the, from, um, went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. You see their death in verse number three. Then Moses said to Aaron, this is it that the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them that can't come nigh, to, nigh me. And before all the people, I will be glorified. God's going to be glorified in his people's lives. God was glorified when Nadab and Abihu died. It didn't have to be that way. God could have been glorified in their life. But instead, God was glorified in their death. I don't want to be an individual that God has to be glorified in my death. I want him, when I do die, I want God to be glorified then. But I don't want it to be because he had to send judgment in my life. And that's the way that he is glorified and that he is sanctified. And the Bible says Aaron held his peace. Aaron is the daddy. And Aaron couldn't cry over him. He couldn't mourn over him. He couldn't weep over them. You know the reason why? Because he had to agree with God that what God did was right. Can I tell you, as much as I love you, you take the sacred things of God and you go your own way with them and destruction comes in your life. Can I say, it's going to break my heart 
And it'll break your preacher's heart. And it'll break your mom and dad's heart. But if they're going to be what they should be for God, there's going to have to be a recognition. They're saying what God has done in their life is right. How fearful is that? Can I say you better keep the fear of God before you all the days of your life. And Moses called Meshel and Elsaphan, the sons of Uziel, the uncle of Aaron, and said unto them, Come near, carry your brethren from before the sanctuary out of the camp. What happens? They say, Hey, get them on out here. We've got something that's got to keep on going. They, they had their opportunity. They had the opportunity to do what was right, but they took of the fire of God for granted. Get them out of the way. We're going to keep on doing what we were doing. So they went near and carried them in their coats out of the camp, as Moses had said. Moses said to Aaron and to Eliezer and to Ithamar, his sons, Uncover not of your heads, neither rend your clothes, lest ye die. Their brothers could not even mourn for them. And lest wrath come upon all the people, but let your brethren, the whole house of Israel, bewail the burning which the Lord hath kindled. They were more worried about what God thought than about what the affections and the burdens of their own heart in their losses. They wanted God to be happy. They wanted God to be pleased. And ye shall not go out from the door of the tabernacle of the congregation lest ye die. For the anointing oil of the Lord is upon you. And they did according to the word of Moses. Here's the dilemma of these young men. And I won't read the verses for sake of time. I've got to move quickly. You'll find their dilemma in Numbers 3 verse 1 through 4. And first, don't turn there. First Chronicles 24, 1 through 5. These boys' names are mentioned, but both times they are mentioned. They are not mentioned about the wonderful delight that they had in going up with Moses. They are not mentioned for the wonderful um, uh, robes that they put on in their service for the Lord. But my friend, when you look in the Word of God, Nadab and Abihu are reminded and remain as a testimony that they were consumed by God for offering strange fire that God had not commanded in their life. You say, preacher, what are the fires in my life? What are the fires that I'm going to do, deal to? What is the things that as I walk through my home, mom and daddy say, watch out, be careful. That stove right there will burn you. That iron right there that you iron your clothes with, if you get too close, if you pull on the cord, if you upset that, it can hurt you. What are the things that can hurt me? What are the fires that are around me that could destroy my life? There are good things in my life, but i got to handle them carefully. Can I say the first one is in regard to your salvation. The truth is is there is a fire. There is a place called hell. The fire is not quenched there. Amen. And when it comes to your salvation, you better make sure that you're not on your way to hell. You better make sure that your name is in the Lamb's Book of Life. Say, preacher, how could I get it wrong? Can I tell you, you could trust. You could trust being a good little boy, a good little girl to get you to heaven. But my friend, it's not going to get you to heaven. You could trust. Well, I got baptized or I went and memorized a scripture verse or I went and did this thing or I did that thing. I've not done that many things that are wrong. But my friend, your good works and your rituals cannot get you to heaven. There's only one thing that can get you to heaven. And that is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, turning from your sins, believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that will save you. It's got to be a work that is in your heart. You see, there's young people that are here today that you hear the word of God preached, and you better be very careful. There is a fire that is coming for all those that reject the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't be one of those, and you find that in your Bible. But I want to jump quickly to this next one. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. 
The next fire is in regard not only to your salvation, but is in regard to your sanctification. But this is in regard to the fires of your flesh. The truth is, is every one of you have desires and things in your life. There's things that burn. You know, if they, you say, preacher, what are you talking about? This burning that is on the inside of me. Um, how many of you, mom and daddy tells you to do, not to do something, but you really, really want to do it. And so you go do it anyway and you get punished for it. That is your flesh. That is what you want to do. There's a fire on the inside that pushes you to go do things that you are told not to do. And the thing is, every one of us has got fires. There's things that are burning on the inside. I just really want to do it. I really want to enjoy it. And there's things that really excite you and make you happy. And that's like a fire that is on the inside. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse number 12, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Meats for the belly and the belly for meats, but God shall destroy both it and them. So what is he talking about? He's saying, listen, and not to dig into the scripture um, as far as the um, wording too much, but to give you the gist of what we're talking about here. There are things in life that are okay for to be a part of your life. It's right to eat. But guess what? If you eat all the time, what's going to happen? You're going to be able to have a hard time walking around. All of a sudden, your ankles are going to hurt because there's more weight there than should be. Yeah, and it's going to cause difficulty in your life. Some people eat to live. Other people live to eat. Why? Because that's just what they like doing. And listen, there's nothing wrong. Hey, listen, if you got video games that don't have nudity and don't have profanity on them, there's nothing wrong with video games for you to play a game. There's nothing wrong with getting out there and playing ball and having um, playing a softball or baseball or getting out there. I guess soccer is one of those things that are around there. I still hadn't figured soccer out. I'm sorry, I'm an old school, old American, crazy idiot. But anyway, um, uh, there, there's these different sports. There's nothing wrong with doing that. And when we talk about um, a living for the Lord, there are many things that you can enjoy in your life. But if there's a fire that is on the inside for any of these things of life that you begin to chase, that you begin to go after, can I say those things that were okay and that drive that was inside of you that you go could enjoy um, and could have been an enjoyment in your life can also become the curse of your life. Listen, there are now grown men that they need to be working their job. They need to be taking care of their families, but they're still playing their video games for three to six hours every day, playing their video games, playing their video. Let me tell you what happened. It got the best of them because there was a fire on the inside that they kept on going after that. There are other things. There's some people, and, and I, I know um, this is not maybe not as common, but it is getting more common. There's some people that they um, eat and they eat and they eat and they eat, but they don't work. And all they do is just consume. And whatever makes them happy 
Can I say that mentality goes into so many areas of your life? And he deals with this problem. He goes on to say in the latter part of verse number three. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God hath raised, um, both, uh, and God hath both raised up the Lord and will also raise up by his own power. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of a harlot? God forbid. What know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? which you have of God, and you're not your own. For you're bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. What did he say here? Listen, there are things in life, he said, they're good for you. They've they're got a proper place. They've got a proper time. But if you get them out of their proper place and you get them out of their proper time, you're going to find yourself in a world of hurt. Listen, young man, listen to me, young lady. There's going to come a time if you'll keep yourself and your weight on that right one. God's got a, a husband He's got for you ladies. He's got a wife for you men. And thank God for that. I'm glad God ordered that. And you can have a wonderful life. But if you let your flesh, if you let the fire on the inside of you get advantage of you and get ahead of God's timing, get ahead of what God intended for you, my friend, it is a fire that will burn you and that will hurt you and you'll spend rest of your life with the scars of what was done back then and when the fire got out of hand and when the fire burnt you and it was from the inside you fulfilling the desires of your flesh for the immediate moment but I promise you this if you'll wait on the Lord and be patient and follow what God says there'll come a day that you'll thank God for the fire You'll say, praise God for the desires that God has put in my heart. But if those desires get out of hand, you'll destroy yourself. All these things have got to be put in their proper place. That's the reason why he said it's good for a man not to touch a woman. Young men, young ladies, if you'll vow to just say, listen, I'm not going to be touching, sir, I'm not going to be touching a young lady. Young lady, I'm not going to be touching a young man. My touching is waiting for the day that I get married. Amen. Hey, it'll save you from a world of hurt. It'll save you from more. It'll save you from a world of emotional hurt, mental hurt. Listen, I deal with people from time to time, and they deal with such scars in their mind and in their life. Why? Because the fires got out of hand. Young men, you better be careful what you put before your eyes. You let the fires inside of you get out of hand. They will put scars in your mind and scars in your heart. And the truth is that you'll be trying to live for God one day and you'll look back and there'll still be scars that you have dealt with. Why? Because you didn't follow God's word and wait on the Lord. Amen. It's a wonderful thing. It's a sacred thing. It's a thing that God ordained. But my friend, you better handle the fire correctly. Let me move quickly and only the fires for our sanctification, the fire that we look at in regard to salvation. But number, number three here, we see in regard to our speech. 
In James chapter number 3, the Bible says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us, and we turn aside about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be great are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. The Bible says there's a fire right there in your tongue. You got a tongue right there? You know that tongue right there is a fire that you can stir up things the right way or you can stir up things the wrong way. The Bible says if you're able, young person, to control your tongue, the Bible says you're able to bridle the whole body. The Bible says if you can control what you say, if I can put it this way, you can control every other area of our life. How many of you said, have said something and said, man, I can't believe I just said that? We've done that. Why? Because of tongue. You'll end up cutting someone. You'll cut that person that's beside you or in the class with you and we'll say those things and we're, trying, we're um, breathing out of our mouth and the things that we're saying are cutting and we're trying to destroy other people that are around us. And there's going to come a day where all of a sudden you're going to look and wonder why your friends are far and few between. You're going to wonder why there's nobody around you. I'm telling you the reason why is because you had a tongue that went and burnt those around you. You have a tongue that went and destroyed those around you and you were not able to control that fire. Listen, speech is a wonderful thing. Communication is a wonderful thing. Being able to share our thoughts, our feelings, to be able to have friends, to fellowship, all these things are wonderful things. But when the tongue gets out of hand, it can destroy your very life. Very great thing. And you got it right there. Wonderful. You can use your tongue for the greatest things in all the world. And God can use you in so many ways. But you can take that same fire, that same little member, and stoke a fire that can destroy so many people. You better be careful with your tongue. These are very simple things, but these are lifelong things. These make a difference in the entirety of your life. These are things you'll be working on down the road. You see, right now, it's a brother or sister that you're learning how to talk to. It's a classmate. It's the teacher. It's the pastor. That's what you're learning on. But one day down the road, it's going to be other people. It's going to be an employer. It's going to be a spouse. It's going to be all those things. If you don't learn how to use that tongue correctly, you're going to be in divorce court one day. If you don't learn to use that tongue correctly, one day you're going to be behind bars. If you don't learn to use that tongue correctly, you're going to find yourself in a mess because you didn't use your tongue correctly. You better be careful about the fire of your tongue, the fire of your flesh, the fires of hell. Better be very careful about these. But then what about the fire of service? The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse number 11 that there's what is called the judgment seat of Christ. And there's a fire that's going to burn and at this judgment seat of Christ, this is not whether we're going to heaven or to hell, but these are for the saved people that serve the Lord. 
And when you go and you serve the Lord and you live for God and you do your works for God, that God's going to take what you've done for the Lord and it's going to be put before him. And there's a fire that is before God. And when it burns, it's going to reveal whether what you did, whether it was really done for God or what the real motive behind what we're doing was all about. You see, young person, you can go knock on every door. You can go and do well with your school. You can do all the different things of life and say, hey, I'm doing this. I'm a Christian. I'm doing this for the Lord. But the truth is, is there something on the inside of you that God knows whether you're really doing it for him or whether you've got a different motivation? Listen, my friend, sometimes we do things for the preacher. Thank God that's a start. But the truth is, is you're not here to do it for the preacher. The thing is, the preacher could die tomorrow. And there ought to be something in your heart that you keep on serving God, whether the preacher's there or not. Hey, you may be trying to make mom and dad happy. Thank God you're honoring your father and mother. But my friend, honoring father and mother is just the first step to leading you to honoring the father that is in heaven and understand that there's a responsibility that you have before him. And when the heart and the motivation of the heart is to please the Lord and to serve the Lord and it has the right heart, there'll come a glorious day when the fire is laid to your good deeds and your good works after salvation that there'll be a great day of reward when it is proven that your heart and your mind was right with God. But the Bible tells us in those verses that if the heart was not right, if the motivation wasn't right, that they will suffer loss. How sad would it be to live your life doing all the great things and being a great individual just to stand before God and say you had the wrong heart the whole time you did it. Had the wrong motivation the whole time you did it. It wasn't because you loved God. Listen, it's a trap for somebody. I grew up in church. I grew up around the things of God. And you know what? This is a way of life for me. That's all I know. And the truth is, is there's some days that, hey, this is just normal. So I'm just going about my normal business just because. No, it's not just because. It's because of Jesus. It's because of the hand of God. It's because of the help of God. And it is for his glory and his manifestation. And can I say, I want that fire of the service to be right. But then last of all, the fire of the spirit-filled life. In the book of Acts, the Bible says that when the spirit of God came upon the church there, that they were filled with the spirit of God. But the Bible says there was cloven tongues of fire that came down to rest upon them. Now, we're not looking for cloven tongues of fire this morning. Amen. 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 But um, when this happened, there is an understanding in the Bible that when a person is filled with the Spirit of God, that it is as if it was a fire burning on the inside. And thank God for this fire. You say, preacher, what is this fire about? When I got saved, the Spirit of God came and moved on the inside. Amen. Jesus calls him the comforter. And that fire that is on the inside is there to keep me going, to keep me serving the Lord. But what happens is, is it talks about being filled with the Spirit of God. I was anointed the day I got saved. Amen. I got the Spirit of God when I got saved. I'm not looking for the Spirit of God. I've got Him. But what happens? I need my life to be controlled by the Spirit of God. Do you realize God can control your life? Say, how would God control my life? 
when you get filled with the Spirit of God. How do you get filled with the Spirit of God? Well, if you go in the book of Ephesians, in chapter number 5, in verse number um, 17, or let's go to verse number 18, he says, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. The idea there is instead of as someone that would be intoxicated, if you've ever seen someone that has let their flesh get out of hand, they've gone after intoxicating beverages, and what happens? They're controlled by drinking the wrong thing, and they are out of control. He says, likewise, when you look at being filled with the Spirit, let the Spirit of God fill your life where you're controlled, where the truth is, is you've got the mind of God, you've got the mind of Christ, and you're walking in the fullness of His Spirit. He said, be not drunk with wine, where's next says, but be filled with the Spirit. What did he say in the next verses? He said, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Thank God for that. Can I tell you, my friend, somebody that doesn't have the right music in their mind and in their heart cannot be filled with the Spirit of God. Amen. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of God doesn't sing the world's songs. The Spirit of God doesn't sing the world's ways. But I'm telling you what happens. There's an enjoyment that I have with the right kind of singing. You know the reason why? Because it doesn't exalt my flesh, but it exalts the working of the Spirit of God in my life and allows the Spirit of God to develop my heart and my mind where I'm saying, Lord, have more of me. Lord, take more of me and do something in my heart and in my life. And there's a song that is in my heart. There's a joy that is in my spirit. There's a fire that is in my soul. Why? Because he is abiding there and he's helping me and he's strengthening me to be what I should be for the Lord. He says in verse 20, giving thanks for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, when you're filled with the Spirit, everywhere you go, everything you look around you, there's a thanksgiving that is in your heart. You realize you don't deserve any of this because the Spirit of God is doing great and mighty things in your heart. And you realize, you know what? That's not me doing it, but that's the work of God. That's the hand of God. That's the blessing of God. What a fire that is in our life. Then he says in there in the next verse, there in verse number 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Now, here's the thing. Submission is not something that comes natural to my flesh. But you know what? It's easy to submit when I'm full of the Spirit of God. It's easy to say, not my way, Lord, but your way. And while I'm at it, Lord, it's not my way. Pastor, which direction should we go in this way? Lord, it's your way. And while I'm at it, what is it that we need in our life? And there's an openness to those that are around you. I challenge you this. I don't see how someone can not be filled with the Spirit of God and always be thankful and always have a song in their heart and always have a submissive attitude. It's almost an impossibility to do that with that. Why? Because my flesh, it doesn't want to submit. You say you want to go that way, I want to go that way. You say you want this for supper, I'm saying I want that for supper. That's what my attitude is in my flesh. But when the Spirit of God is, there's a submission, there's a yielding myself, not just to God, but to those around me. Young person, if you learn what it is 
to be filled with the Spirit of God, submitting to that teacher will be a whole lot easier. Submitting to that mom and dad that you have will be a whole lot easier. And even when there's conflicts, you'll have the right attitude and the right spirit when you have the Spirit of God guiding and directing your life. What happens when everything around you is falling apart? You're still giving thanks. Hey man, hey listen, when the world's music is coming your way and all the different things that want to cloud your mind and your attention, being filled with the Spirit of God keeps our heart and our focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. My friend, these fires are very important in your life and you've got to handle them correctly because my friend, that same Spirit of God that is there, can, that can be the help of your life. If you miss it, you can miss the fullness of the Christian life. If you don't ha handle the fire correctly, it will destroy you. Hebrews 12, 28. Wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. That's what I want. I just want to serve God and Him to be pleased in my life and for Him to say, yes, I'm thankful for what you're doing. Yes, you're doing it the right way. You're doing it my way. And for God, if I can put it this way, when I offer the fires that are in my life and say, Lord, here's what I want to offer before you as Nadab and Abihu did, that God says yes, that God accepts it. And there's a reverence that I have for Him and there's an honor that He gives unto His children. That's what I want in my life. And that's what we want is for God to be accepted of that which we offer him. But he said in verse number 29, for our God is a consuming fire. Can I say you need to have a fear of God, as I said earlier, a fear of God. To realize that the fires in your life can be the greatest benefit. But if you don't handle them correctly, they can be the greatest destruction. But if you yield yourself to God, God can do great and mighty things. In your life. Let's stand and we thank you for your mercy and grace. Work in our hearts, we pray. Lord, thank you, dear Lord, for the things of life that you've given unto us. Thank you, dear God, for the fires that we have in our life. The zeal, the fervency. Lord, I pray, dear God, that we'd handle all these things very carefully and we keep ourselves unto you that you might be honored and glorified in our life. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name.